You're listening to Church at the Oaks podcast, where we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. For more information about our church, such as service times, upcoming events, or how to join a group, please visit us at churchattheoaks.com. Amen and amen. Guys, had a good morning so far together? All right. Hey, let's pray together, right? Uh, Father, um, we've had so much fun just getting to uh, worship you together um, in so many different ways. And God, we just pray uh, that the work that you're doing in each one of our hearts already this morning, that you just continue that as we step into this time in the Word. God, I pray um, that as we reflect on what it means to uh, have joy and where that joy comes from, that you would draw us to yourself, the author and perfect of our faith, with whom uh, there is no lasting joy. But God, you've secured that for us. So God, um, be with us in this time. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Can you all just give it up one more time for our band for leading us so well? Uh, Dude, that was fun. We got to get some horns in here every week. That was awesome. Um, my name is Britton. I'm the pastor here at Church of the Oaks. If I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, uh, I'd love to get a chance to meet you before you get out of here this morning. Um, we, uh, we've been walking through a time in the Word of God these last few weeks where um, we're going through a series that we're calling The Whole Story. And so we started in the beginning in Genesis, and we're walking all the way across uh, the story of God's Word, um, ending in Revelation in June. And so we're kind of still in the beginning of that. And we're, we've seen a lot unfolding uh, to this point. And so this morning, we're going to continue in that and um, really get to start looking at what it means to trust. What it means to trust the Lord. Well, I've been thinking about this. I was thinking about writing a sermon and coming to this, this text about um, trusting the Lord. And I, I think about it. Uh, those of us who are adults and college students in the room, we don't get a lot of chances uh, anymore to like physically, tangibly have to put our trust in someone, right? As you get, as you get older, a lot of your what happened? That was weird. Uh, a lot of your life is about insulating yourself from the need to, to trust somebody. Kids don't have that choice, right? When you're a kid, your parent stands you on the side of the pool and puts a little puddle jump around you and you don't know how physics works. And they're like, hey, I know you don't know how to swim. Jump. <laughs> and you're like, no, no. Right? Hey, jump into this body of liquid that you don't know how to survive in, and there's one human being here that knows your name, and I literally want you to trust your life to me. Jump. And the kid's like, again, no. Right? As adults in college, we don't, we don't have that opportunity anymore. Nobody makes us do stuff like that. I remember when my little boy, uh, Jack, man, I remember I can see him standing there on the side of the pool, puddle jumper. Jack was a fat kid, all right, man. There was like rolls and everything. He's standing there like, I'm a competitive swimmer. I can do this. He does not know or care about that. And it was like half an hour of me trying to coax Jack to get in the water with me, trying to be patient. Just lovingly like, hey, I've got you. You can trust me. When it comes to the Lord, though, um, there's a really high bar of what he calls us to trust him with. It's not, a, it's not a low thing. It's not just the small things. He starts with like, the first step for us to really come into relationship with him is not like an intro level. It's do you trust me with your life and your eternity? Do you trust that what my word says is true, that my son actually did come and die on a cross in your place, like taking the place for your punishment, for all of your sin, for your, like, your life, for the whole thing? Like, do you trust that I've completed this? that I can save you, will you trust me? Last week we looked at, uh, we looked at the account of, of Israel um, 
having been rescued from slavery in Egypt, uh, knowing the promises that God had made Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12, right? He's going to give them a promised land. He was going to bring them to this place, right? And so he had led them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and like they, they've, they've gotten the covenant. They've seen them show up, and they're among, their, uh, among them in his presence. And then they were, they were asked at this one point, like, finally, like, hey, will you trust me? Will you follow me into the promised land? Will you, will you, will, will, let's, let's go. And this generation, these people, like, they were hit with this, this fear, this doubt, which precluded them from going. In fact, what they asked for, they said, it would be better for us to go back into slavery. Oh, it would be better for us to just stay and die here than for us to enter into this land and get conquered by these people. We're, we don't trust him to save us. So last week we saw what it looks like when we don't trust and obey and how God honors that choice and allowed those people to walk in that choice for 40 years in the desert, allowing them to literally waste their lives instead of trusting. Pick up this week with a new generation, a new generation who again is going to be faced with this trust. where We get to see like what happens when we do trust him, what happens when we do jump. What happens when we don't let fear, when we don't let doubt take her, when, when we actually like, trust him to do what he said he's going to do? Like, What happens then? We got a picture of what happens when we don't last week. This week, we get to see what happens when he does. I think this is relevant for me <laughs> and probably for a lot of us because I think probably everybody in this room is struggling to trust the Lord in one way or another. Um, I think there's a lot of you in the room this morning that are tr- struggling to trust the Lord when it comes to salvation. I know some of you by name. When you're trying to wrestle this out, like, okay, I understand. I hear what you're trying to say here. That Jesus came for me. I'm not sure I can buy that yet. I get it. All of us remember what that was like. It's a huge step of trust. For those of you in the room who are Christians already, you're still wrestling with trusting God with the, with the day-to-day, the in, like the intermediate things that are going on in your life. Some of you are trusting him with like, what it comes to your future. What's going to happen in these next few months? What's your, what like job changes and relationship issues? When it comes to, can God help you move past sin and struggles in your life? Like, can you trust him with all that stuff? Every one of us, every person sitting next to you is struggling with something that they are struggling to, like, can I really trust him with this? All right? Let's see what happens when we wholly trust him. We jump in. All right, pick up the stories uh, 40 years later. A new generation's arisen. It's their turn to choose to trust and obey. Now, God has, had led Israel out of slavery in Egypt um, by Moses. Now, the time for Moses to die has come. Moses passes the torch to Joshua. God says, all right, now Joshua's going to lead you guys into the promised land. And God gives Joshua these explicit instructions of how this is going to go down. So if you've got your Bible, Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Beginning in verse 1 says this. It's Joshua. He rose early in the morning. And they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel. And they lodged there before they passed over it. Now, at the end of three days, the officers, they went through the camp. And they commanded all these people. They said, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the priests, then I want you to set out from your place and just follow it. All right, yet they show you need to keep a distance between you and it of about 2,000 cubits in length. Don't come near it, nor that you may know the way that you shall go, for you haven't passed this way before. All right, so then Joshua said to the people, he says, all right, also consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders among you. Now, let's just make sure we know what's going on here, okay? So they're, they're moving about 10 miles. These people, the people group is about a million strong. So a million people are going to move 10 miles together. 
that's an undertaking of it's like we had a lot of moving parts this morning uh, as, as a part of Oaks and kids and stuff kind of stuff. We got baptism coming later. We're taking the Lord's Supper. There's a lot of pieces, right? They moved a million people 10 miles, okay? So they're, they got the logistics down. Talks about following the ark, okay? It's the ark. If you're not familiar, the ark is kind of the throne of God. It's the place where his, his glory rested in the tabernacle, this tent, right? And so when they see the ark going out and the ark moving, that's like the, the place where God's presence is to be found. All right? And he said to keep a good distance back from that, partly because this is like the holy presence of God, and you can't draw near to the, like that holiness of God like that unprepared. But second, if you are trying to tell a million people where to go, if you're trying to tell your like roommate where to go, if you're trying to tell your spouse where to go, right? Like, it's hard. Instead, they're like, you know what? Just follow, just follow the ark. You know, don't crowd it. So like the people in the back, they won't get lost. You know, like when you're trying to caravan through Tuscaloosa and they're like the stoplights get you and like the kid in the back never made it that like, all right, just follow the art, keep some distance so you can see the car in front of you and everything's going to be okay. And he says this, he says, now listen, you need to get ready. You need to consecrate. That means like prepare yourself because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. This is Joshua. This is the leader of the people. Like he's he's hyping them up. All right, that's what he's saying. He's like, I, don't, I need you to get ready. Like this is this is like the locker room talk at halftime. That's like he's like, I, like do you do you like the first half did not go well. All right, we saw what the first generation did did not go well. This is half like we're gonna get them in the second half. Like can we do this? God's gonna show out if you'll just trust him. See, Joshua had this deep relationship with the Lord. Every time, if you go back a little bit in Scripture, every time you start reading about Moses being in the tent of the meeting, it says Joshua's with him. It actually says a lot of times, like, Joshua just, like, wouldn't leave. Moses is out doing what he needs to do, and Joshua's just there in the presence of the Lord, like, continually. He knew the Lord intimately, personally. So when when he says, get ready, because tomorrow's going to be crazy, like, that carries weight. Joshua spent time with the Lord. He's heard, he got this like, vision, his direction, instruction from the Lord. He knows him personally. He's saying, tomorrow the Lord's going to show out. Are you ready? Finally, in verse 6, Joshua, he, he gives the word. All right, in verse 6, he says that Joshua said to the priest, all right, here we go. Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Pass on before the people. So they do. They, they take up the Ark of the Covenant, and they will go out before the people. Those carrying the Ark, they, they head out. A million Israelites are following along behind them. And finally, like hours pass, and they come to the banks of the Jordan. And stop. And you're going to find out a little bit later that, that the Jordan River is not like, I mean, some of you have been to Israel, I and mean, a couple of us have. Like if, the, the Jordan River, like normally for now, is like not a big river, okay? It's a glorified creek, okay? At this point, is not the same thing. And it says in a minute, it says it's at flood stage. At harvest time. So this, this is a like, at flood stage, the Jordan would be almost a mile wide. So they come and walk, not to the Black Warrior River, okay? That's like, I don't know, 300 yards. I'm not good at, you know, distance or whatever. I don't know how far it is. This is a mile wide river. And you got your kids with you. You got your livestock, everything you own, all right? Remember, like, Jack don't know how to swim. They don't, there's no puddle jumpers, you know? It, what do we do? Verse 7 says this. The Lord says to Joshua, all right, today I'll, I'll begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. As for you, this is what I want you to do. Command the priests who, who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. 
I don't know, not next to it. Like, I want you to go get in it, all right? You're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. I got these big poles, and there's guys under the poles, like holding the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to go get in the thing. Go stand in it. Okay, he wants to get in it. Then, then Joshua explains why. Verse 9 says this. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, he said, come here, listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua says, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and Jebusites, all right? I would be proud of myself. I did that well. Like, it says, this is how you're going to know that you can trust him. This is how you're, you know you can trust him with the huge things, not just the small things, all right? This is how, this is, this is how you're going to know God keeps his promises. Verse 11, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. The presence of God and the priests that are carrying, like going first. God's going in front of you, all right? Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe of man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters when their feet get in the water. And their feet, like they get the toes in the water. When their feet get in the water of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in a heap. Why do you think God did that? Why, why do you think God chose to do that in that way? It seems like really specific and intentional, right? Like, like when the soles of the feet of the priests rest in the water, not before. I want all of you to pack in against the, the banks of this river that's a mile wide that you have no chance of crossing and surviving, all right? Like you can't do that. So, I just want you, I want you to get to the bank. And once the, the, the feet of the priests get in the water, I'm going to stack those waters up for you, but not before. I'm not going to do it preemptively so you can be a little more safe about it or whatever. I'm going to wait till your feet are in the water, then I'll act. I think God wanted to give them an opportunity to have faith. He wanted them to get to show some faith, to put some skin in the game, literally put their feet in the water, to jump in and say, oh, yeah, I do trust you. I'm trusting you to act. I'm doing the little tiny bit that I can do, trusting you to do the immeasurably huge side of that. I'm trusting you enough to put my feet in the water. I'm trusting that you'll do the rest. We get a definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 1 it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. That's faith. Faith is a conviction of something you haven't seen yet. The people of Israel are saying, he's saying, like, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna stop up the river. But, like, you got to have enough conviction about that to put your feet in the water. All right? Like, he, he, he can do it. He can conquer all these people. He can give you this promised land. He can save you. He can restore you. He can redeem you. He can do all this work. But you got to put your feet in the water. Like, have conviction that he's going to be able to do that enough to trust him to just get your feet in the water. God's word is clear from the beginning to end, the whole story. That we, all of us, are saved by faith. Not by the action of putting your feet in the water. That's, like, that's, that's not it. All right? It's not by the action of you praying some prayer or doing something. It's not by the action of baptism. There's no, it's, it's faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, by grace you have been saved through what? This isn't your own doing. It's the gift of God. Faith is what God asks of us. Faith is, is God saying, do you trust me? Will you jump? Not accomplish all of it on your own, but do you trust me enough to put your feet in the water? 
faith enough to trust him. And not the kind of trust where you just say you trust, but trust enough to act. He trusts me enough to act on it. That's faith. So here he's like inviting Israel to trust him, to fulfill his promises of saving them and blessing, of giving them this promise. And he's saying, like, I want you, I want to, like, will you trust me in this thing? This this morning, like in light of Christ, he's, trust, he's asked us the same thing in a similar way. Every one of us in the room, like on this side of Christ, like he's asking, like he's invited me and you to have faith in him also, to trust with feet on it. Jesus actually saves, that God actually sent his son, that he literally died on the cross, that he literally like took the punishment for all of my sin and all of yours. Like he's, he's asking like, this just faith of us to trust that, follow it. In the same way the Israelites, if they trust and follow the promises, they'll be saved. In the same way that for us, like if we trust and put our faith in the person of Jesus, the promise is that we will be saved for this life, for eternity, given abundant life here and permanent life with him there. Trust him. Those of us who are Christians, he invites us not only to trust him with our eternity. For those of you in the room who aren't Christians yet, like that's the first step. That's that huge hurdle. Do you trust me to save you for this life and for eternity? Like, do you trust that Jesus actually was who he said he was, did what he said he did? Do you trust me? But for those of us who have trusted that already, that, like, that's not the end point. Like, we're like, continually asked to follow him in faith in our day to day. To have faith that he'll never leave us or forsake us. So when we're going through stuff like Bo and Russ are talking about, like we're, we're telling he hasn't left me. I can still have joy in that. Like I can still rest in his provision and his sustaining grace because he's promised he's with me. I trust him. Trust him and have faith in him when it comes to our futures and the way that we are asking him to guide us. A lot of times I talk with people who are like, I, I, I'm, I'm praying, I'm asking God to direct me, but he's not showing me the whole thing. If he would just tell me what's gonna happen in the next five years, I'd be happy to do it, but I don't wanna get off the couch until he shows me five years down the road. And he's like, put your feet in the water. Amen. I knew nothing until you put your feet in the water. <laughs> you know, like, it's just a game of chicken with God. Put your feet in the water. Like, I mean, what are you, you gonna, come on. Have faith that he's at work on our, in, on our behalf. God responds to the faith of his people, including you. God responds to the faith of his people, including you. So he invites the Israelites to make this small step of faith, to just show like they, we, we trust you. We're willing to follow you. And then God shows out. All right, so the people set out, the priests are out front. Just imagine this. Imagine being one of those priests carrying the ark, all right? <laughs> like, like, you didn't hear this directly from God. Joshua did, and Joshua told you, he told his other people, like, this is gonna happen, but these guys, they're, they gotta get in the water, right? And like, the waters are rushing, you're carrying this big old heavy thing, you know, and like, you've been in the desert for 40 years, there's not a lot of swim practice involved, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is not, <laughs> this is scary, dude. And so they got the thing, and he's walking, right? And like, just imagine being like your second step, you know, there's somebody in front of you, like, I'm really glad that guy's going first, you know? And so they're going, they, they start heading in the water and the, the first set of guys on the front, like they, they get their feet in the water and they're going, the water's rushing around their ankles and you're looking down at them like, I don't know, man, right? And just like, you're going and your feet are in. There's a couple more guys behind you and like their feet hit the water. The current hadn't changed a bit with your feet in. But when that last set of feet got in the water, carrying that art, the current shifts. 
There's a change. It's not like all of it, like a poof or whatever, but like the current changes. And this is a mile wide river at flood stage, all right? So over way over here in the bank, like that's, that's not the normal banks of the river. So the water, the, the current changes and then the water starts to recede. It's almost like somebody had turned off the spigot way over there somewhere, right? And so the water starts to recede and drain down. And so now you, all of a sudden it's, it's draining away from you. So you get to keep walking. Imagine just being there and the water's like, you're following the water. It's draining away like it was a mile wide and then it's half a mile, a quarter mile. Now it's a stream. Now it stops and you're standing in the middle of where there was a mile wide river just a few minutes ago on dry ground. There's a million pairs of eyes over here gawking at you. You got a big old goofy grin on your face because he actually did it when you put your feet in the water. You're in. Imagine being on the banks of that river sometime. Feet aren't in yet. Before you get in, like before you actually make that step of faith, you're just wondering, is he really going to show up? Is he really going to come through? Is he really able to accomplish everything that he says he's able to accomplish? Like, is this not too good to be true? Those of us on this side of the cross, like when we come to Christ, there's this element of us where like we come to the point of trusting Jesus and you're like, ah, that seems too good to be true. You're telling me that God sent his son to die on a cross for me, pay for all of my sin, all of our sin. He like went to the grave for me, defeated the grave for me three days later, and is like, for me. Because he loves me. He's done all of that. Offered himself as a gift for me. All I have to do is accept it in faith. And it's mine. That sounds too good to be true. This sounded too good to be true, too. When they dipped their feet in the water, they found it to be good and true. The person of Jesus is good and true. He loves you perfectly. He's done everything that needs to be done to save and rescue you. He's just invited you to dip your feet in the water, to trust him enough in faith to accept the gift of the Son. Or you can stay on the bank. Joshua 14 says this, so that when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant for the people, as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped into the brink of the water. So as the Jordan overflows, the banks of the time of harvest, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that's beside Zareth. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, they were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. So you're standing there. You got the ark. You're standing in the middle. Big roof of grin on your face. And a million people start walking across, traversing something they had no power of their own to cross. Because God showed up, responding to his people's faith. all of what God did uh, when a few people had faith in a step in the water the people were saved the people were delivered into the promise the people received what God had for them in this beautiful unexpected <laughs> way which has to produce a level of joy right for those of us who are Christians already, when we come to the Christmas season, we get to the Advent time, we talk about joy. Joy is not 
about the circumstance. Joy is about the deliverance. Joy doesn't come from like your day to day going the way that you want it to. That's happiness and whatever. Like there's a deep seated joy that we're the people who have gotten to traverse this like crevasse, right? Undeserving of it just because, just by faith. They're even saved by grace through faith. There's an awe to that, there's a joy to that. That comes not from situational stuff, it just comes from the person of Jesus. You get to see what happens when we trust him. Every single one of these people got to walk across this insurmountable divide into the place that God had promised them. That's what happens when we trust him. God is still doing that exact same work today. It hasn't changed a bit. Not not to bring you and I into like a physical place. That's not what it's about anymore. To bring you back to himself, the place, like himself, the place that your soul and my soul longs for. Not just a land, himself. Since we're in this series called The Whole Story, I want you to see just one more beautiful thing in this account, all right? So I, look at the name of the place where God stopped the river. See it? Somebody call it out to me. What's, what's the name of the place where God stopped up the river? Adam. Remember week one of the whole story series, if you were here? There was a guy named Adam. Yeah, and Eve. Yeah. This Jordan River, it, it flows south, uh, from, from, from north to south. It flows from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. All right? It's kind of like Lake Nicola and Lake Harris if you're a Tuscaloosa person. All right? Same sort of thing. All right, so, so north to south, Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth. Lowest elevates the whole. Like it's the lowest place on earth. Nothing, water can't flow uphill from there, so whatever comes into it stays there. It can't go out. There's no outflow. That like the salt and the mineral content of the Dead Sea is so high that nothing can survive it. If, it. if you're alive by the time you get to the Dead Sea, you hit the Dead Sea, you're dead, okay? It's a place of death. It smells terrible, all right? Like, it's not a place any of you want to go, okay? So think about this. There's a river flowing from Adam to death. And God intervened in, stopped up at the point of Adam so his people could cross in the promised land. That's a picture of the first half of the gospel, right? Romans 5.12 says, therefore sin, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Sin entered the world through Adam, flowing toward death. Every single one of you and me were caught up in it. But God shows up, intervenes in the person of Jesus Christ. Like, takes control of things that we couldn't control, dams up the river coming from Adam so that those who would trust him in faith would have the opportunity (laughs) to step into his goodness and his grace and provision for this life and for eternity. I don't think that's accidental, right? I'll add one more to it. Joshua, the name Joshua, Hebrews Yeshua, means, means God saves. So God uses a guy named God saves to save his people through these insurmountable odds, like this, these things that no one else could do, right? Jesus' name um, is also, so Yeshua also means God saves. Um, and now there's this one who doesn't just save into a place, but saves into eternity. That's not accidental. 
God's writing this whole story from beginning to end saying, I am a God who can save. I am a God who can dam up the river coming from Adam to death. I can, I can do all of this. I can save you. I can restore you. I can bring you back to myself. The promise is there, man. Like if you'll just put your toes in the water, like I can do this. Don't stay on the bank. Jesus is the new and better Joshua who makes a way for us to come home where there is no way for anyone in this room or across this globe who's willing to put their faith in it. Now, let me ask you something. Now, be honest. Which one of these two generations have you resembled most recently? Which one of those two generations have you, like just in the way that you've been approaching him, right? Like which one of those two generations have you been resembling most when it comes to your trust in God? Maybe for some of us, if you're going to be honest, I mean, I'm not going to, there's not like a card you have to fill out about it. That'd be weird. But like just with you and your own heart, your own mind, like have you, have you been resembling the previous generation that like heard the promise, like heard that there was a way, but like really doubted that God would really show up, really do what he said. And so you're not willing to put your feet in the water. You're, you want to stay on the bank. You, they chose to trust themselves. They chose to trust their ability. They took matters in their own hands. They made their own plans. They went their own way, and they wasted their life for it. When it comes to your future, when it comes to your parenting and your career and your lifestyle, your beliefs, like who are you trusting to, to sort all of that out? Who is the authority in all of those things, in all of who you are? Whose authority are you trusting and following? When it comes to your salvation, who are you trusting in? Because if it's in you and your ability, like you ain't swimming that river. It's not gonna happen. Or are you like this new generation? This new generation didn't have it all figured out. They didn't exactly know how God was gonna pull it all off. Most of them had grown up in the desert, hadn't seen God do anything like this before, right? But when, when God called, like they were just, we're gonna trust. Like they just collected, like I said, we're gonna be a, a generation who trusts the Lord in faith. We're going to trust him to show up. We're going to put our feet in the water. Decided, him, uh, decided to trust him enough to take that next step. What would it look like for you to take that next step into the water today? For, for a lot of you, if you're not a Christian in the room, like your first step is, it's a huge one. It's the biggest one. I mean, it's the one where like, this has got to be too good to be true. It's, it's that one, right? It's for you, it's trusting in the person of Jesus to save you. Have it come to the point where it's saying, okay, I don't have all the answers. I don't know exactly how, how he's going to pull all this off. But I've, I'm, I've, I've sensed the spirit doing something in me. I feel him drawing him like, to me. Like I, I see the, the, the truth of the word. I see the, the heart of God. Like, I'm going to trust him. For a lot of you, if you're not a Christian, like for all of you who aren't Christians in the room, like that is your first step. That's toes in the water. God, like I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I know I can't cross that river on my own. I, I believe that Jesus actually did what he said he came to do. I don't know how all this works, but like I'm just, I'm trusting myself to you. In faith, feet in the water, will you save me? That's your step this morning. You can do that right there where you sit, right there as I'm talking. God, like I don't, like I, I believe, feet in the water, Will you save me? Would you do that this morning? Or are you going to stay on the bank? One more day on that bank saying, I don't know. I don't know.
done everything that needs to be done. He's dammed up that river. He's invited you to come home, invited you to himself. He's promised to love you, to never leave you, to never forsake you, provide a life for you here in eternity with him there if you'll put your feet in the water. Will you trust him? Some of us that are already Christians, um, you're not done either. You know, like, you're not done exercising that faith either. I'm not done. You're not done. Like, we've committed to follow him, to continually follow him. So what would it look like this morning if you committed to whatever that next step is that it's been on your heart, but you've kind of been on the banks about? I don't know what that next step is for you, but I can can guess some of them because I have a lot of conversations with us. And, like, there's there's a lot of us that are wrestling with the same kind of thing. I think a lot of us wrestle with whether we're going to trust that God can, like, if we we (laughs) wrestle with committing to trusting him with those sins, those areas of our life that we've been finding escape in, those areas where we've been trying to find some some peace, trying to find some joy on our own, would, would would you trust him with those? To set some of that stuff down and, and to, to follow him, his peace, his hope, his love, his joy. Even in those areas of sin that have like really attached to your heart, would you trust him with those? What would it look like this morning if you committed to trusting him to open those next doors that you've been praying for in his timing? And not trying to demand or pray for the entire pathway, but just that first step. For a lot of you, he's told you what the first step is, but you're not willing to take it because you want to know what the thousandth step is. What would it look like this morning for you to put your feet in the water? What would it look like this morning if you committed to take the next step to literally put your feet in the water? (laughs) Like, we're going to get baptized in a minute over here, right, and get to celebrate some people who are saying, I've trusted in Jesus. I don't want my faith in him to be an internal thing. I'm going to walk in obedience to that being an external thing as well. I'm going to publicly proclaim my faith in front of my community, my peers, and be baptized. Some of you have been on the fence about that for a long time. What would it look like for that next step for you to literally put your feet in the water? Other of you are wrestling with jumping in a community, deciding if you're going to plug in at Oaks, like if you're going <laughs> to share your faith with that person that's been on your heart for the last six months, if you're going to literally go to the nations. Those are all steps of faith. Are you going to take those steps or are you going to stay on the bank? Have enough faith to step in the water. Our band's going to come. They're going to lead us in a time of, of response. And here's what I want you to do with that, all right? And so I think most of us in the room have some next steps on our heart. For those of you in the room who are wrestling with it, am I, am I, am, am I going to trust Christ to save me? I, I, I want you to know some ways to respond to that. Those of you who have other next steps that are on I, I want you to see some ways to respond, do something tangible with that, to literally take a next step. We have a team in the back of our, our room every single week. They're called the Next Step Team. And they're there to pray with you about whatever that thing, whatever that thing is. If it's baptism, if it's salvation, if it's sharing or going, like there's some people that just want to let you voice those, pray for you to have the strength, the courage to actually walk those things out. But you got to put your feet in the water. So as our band leads in just a moment, the Next Steps team is there for you. I want to challenge you to do something kind of bold. I want you to stand up. Would you walk back there, one of those folks, take them by the hand and say, hey, this is what my next step is. Would you pray for me? Just let them pray. All right? If there's a line, wait in it. There was a line across this river too. 
and it took him a minute, all right? We'll give you all the time that you need. Just don't stay on the bank, all right? I'm gonna pray for us in just a moment. I gotta give you one more just kind of announcement before we do. Um, if you are a parent of a child that you want to be in here to see baptisms um, or take the Lord's Supper, if they're a Christian, if, they, if you want them to take the Lord's Supper with us, this is also the time for you to sneak out and go get those kids and have them back in here to get to do those things together, okay? I wanna pray for us and then we're all gonna move. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that we'd be people who wouldn't stay on the bank. I pray that we'd be people who, <coughs> God, I pray we'd be people who would be willing to put our feet in the water. I pray for my friends in the room who have been wrestling with whether they're ready to trust you as Savior. God, you've shown them who you are. I pray that you give them the boldness right now to trust you as Savior. Put their faith in you. Commit to follow you. Commit to turn from sin and follow you with their whole heart. Would you do that work in people's lives right here in this room this morning? For people that are walking through other decisions, other things that they're wrestling with, and like, I know what my next step is. I've just had a hard time getting off the bank. How would you help them to put their feet in the water? Would they go back there to next steps, talk to somebody and say, this is what it is. Would you pray? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For more sermons like this, you can give us a follow at Spotify or Apple Music. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out at churchattheoaks.com. Church, you are sent.